Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 257, air date April 13th, 2018. Welcome to South Coast Matters. I'm Paul Latendra. With me today is my regular old co-host, Julie Taylor. <laughs> Good to have you here, Julie. Thank you, Paul. So today we are pleased to host independent candidate for U.S. Senator, Senate, Dr. Shiva Ayadurai. Uh, Shiva holds four degrees from MIT. He's a Fulbright scholar and has started seven successful high-tech companies, including EchoMail, Cytosolve, and Systems Health. And he's currently the founder and CEO of Cytosolve Inc., which is discovering cures from major diseases from pancreatic cancer to Alzheimer's. Hopefully we can learn more about that. I might need it soon. Shiv uh, <laughs> is also the founder of the Center for <coughs> Integrative Systems that perform fundamental research in systems thinking and is the home of innovation cores. Uh, we can go on, but um, we don't have a lot of time left. And we do want to talk about politics tonight because Shiva is running as he was, um, sounds like he started off life as a Democrat. As he got older. Never a Democrat. Never? Okay, you work with Radical, Noam Chomsky. if anything. Okay, yeah. radical leftist. Yeah. If you're working with Noam Chomsky. Mm. Um, became a Republican and now is running as an independent. And um, I've been through that whole cycle myself, just in the opposite direction, but, um, back and forth. So maybe we can ask him, how did he get from a radical to a Republican? It's a good question. Uh, so, you know, when I think about a Republican, I think of someone like Lincoln. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Trump is an interesting, Trump is really not a Republican or a Democrat, let's be right. honest. Yeah. Right. He's Trump. You know, he did all different kinds of things. He was a Democrat. He was going to run on the Reform Party. So the reality is, I don't even know what these parties mean. Mm -hmm. let's, let's, be, let's be rational in, you know, now we're in 2018. Um, in, in many views, there's the uh, positions you take in life, like what you, your outlook on the world, right? And then there are these things called these parties, which are basically two clubs, the Democratic machine and the Republican machine. And in my view, and we can talk more about this, they actually work together and they're part of the establishment. Mm -hmm. um, and this, is, this has been a recurrent process throughout American history. Um, for example, you could look at a lot of political history. But, um, you know, I've always been interested in systems, given the fact of where I grew up, you know, under, trying to understand the caste system, trying to understand why injustices exist, uh, uh, trying to understand innovation systems, you know, email systems, large-scale systems. I'm a systems guy. The complexity of how things interconnect together. So I'm going to interrupt you for one second. Um, for those of you who didn't see the first show, um, this is Dr. Shivers second show with us and his first show he gave go back and watch it because it's great tells us about his background coming from India and his education in the states um, going to MIT okay sorry to interrupt you yes yeah, so, so yeah so I, th I think my background if you really look at it from the first show has really been a journey through immigration you know uh, education and then innovation right so it's really immigration education innovation I've gone through which is many ways the American journey um, so part of that journey was really trying to understand political systems. So I, the, my interest in why there was a caste system in India led me to understand political systems in the United States. Um, 
So I never saw this as left or right. I never liked these labels mm -hmm. because I think these are bogus labels. They're actually put on by the establishment so they can, you know, uh, put people into little boxes and then Power control, and control. people. Right. Yeah, so liberal and left, Republican, Democrat, uh, left and right. Are they put on by the establishment or are they put on by the press who needs to describe? I think they're put on by the establishment because if you think about it, it's, very, and it's, it's a whole ethos of those in power. <coughs> um, it's to basically seg put people into boxes. Oh, if you like math, that means you must be a nerd. You surely can't be an athlete, right? Uh, if, you like if you're an athlete, you surely can't be smart, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you're born in this neighborhood, you must behave like this, and you're only going to be good for this kind of job. Um, if you came from Newark, New Jersey, uh, at 14, you surely could not have invented email. That must have occurred in the military-industrial-academic complex. You see what I'm saying? So and if you're a girl, you certainly can't be in right. Be lots a of things. You, you, you right. can't lots be lots of things. things. So, <laughs> so, so this, so there, so putting people into boxes actually helps those in power. And so, so that's not a left or right issue. That's an issue of understanding the dynamics. Is of, that a human issue, though? More than I think it's a human issue. But if you look at the arc of human history, we've been chipping away at that. And basically, over thousands of years, one could argue we actually have more freedom now, right? There was a time where we were in chains, right? People owned you. Um, you know, Marx would probably argue that there's still ownership. It's called wage slavery. But I'd rather be a wage slave than some guy who had nothing, you know, and you were just a piece of chattel, right, for somebody. So it's been an arc of human history, but I think every step of the way, humans. Uh, have been making more gains in liberty and freedom for themselves. But we kind of need the political part, well, we don't, but the political party exists to use money to accumulate that power, and it makes it very in difficult for independent people to draw sources from these parties. You know, you've got the Democratic Party, it's got its own war amongst themselves, same with the Republicans, but this is where all this money comes so we can put candidates out that are going to press our agenda or the more vocal agenda in the party. And then we have independent candidates like yourself that don't have access to these big party machines and resources and money. So why would you not remain a Republican but jump to be an independent and not have access to that? Well, when you really look at it, it's a great question. What you really realize is that both of the parties, which are clubs, I think they're registered as clubs, mm -hmm. or there, there's a legal structure, basically do not want to keep um, outsiders, they want to keep outsiders mm -hmm. out of the club. Mm -hmm. So if people don't play the rules by their game, okay? So as a part of that, there's a collusion that both parties actually have. I mean, when I ran, uh, when I was running as a Republican, Look at my journey through this. Uh, I never voted in my life because I never liked either party. I sort of figured them out, as I mentioned in the previous show, as, as a kid. Uh, when Trump ran, I thought it was fascinating. Here was a guy who was basically throwing bombs everywhere. He was attacking not only the Democrats, Hillary Clinton, he was actually attacking his own party. And he was showing the collusion between the establishment and the parties, which I thought was great. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a necessary disruption to the system. So I registered as an independent and voted for him. Shortly thereafter, you know, I got invited to the inauguration. I said, wow, m you know, obviously I cannot run in the Democratic Party. Warren's got that locked up. So I said, I'm going to run as a Republican because I liked a lot of the things going back to the core sentiments of, of, of Lincoln. In Massachusetts, to get on the ballot, there's two things that have to occur when you're within the Republican Party. Remember, the election is November 2018. Mm -hmm. There's a primary in September. The state convention is in April where all the delegates 
of the Republican Party come together, actually a third of them, there's actually 6,000 delegates, uh, 8,000 spread across 351 of these um, uh, communities. communities. Um, and they, they come together, but only 2,000 are able to take time off to show up to the state convention. In order to get on the ballot as a Republican, you have to get uh, uh, 10,000 signatures plus 15% of the delegates who attend that state convention. So, you know, we very innocently, naively said, oh, it's a fair game. A bunch of MIT students built us a, a beautiful bus. We painted it. We started going to all the local Republican town committees. We'd get standing ovations. People had said, there's no comparison between Shiva and any other candidate. Interestingly enough, the Republican GOP never met with me for three months. Finally, uh, uh, my lawyer talked to, through one of his friends who raises a lot of money, he goes, how come you haven't met with Shiva? Then they met with me. They were supposed to help us get data. They never gave us any of the data. And then I started hearing some very interesting uh, backstory that a guy called Mark Fisher ran, you know, four years ago against Charlie Baker. You know, went in, an engineer, self-made millionaire. He goes to the state convention, and at the state convention, he goes and there were 30% pledged delegates. Guess what he gets? He gets 14.9%. Okay? <coughs> all sorts of nonsense going on in the back room, shredding of ballots, all sorts of stuff. He sues and he w wins in federal court. So I'm looking at this, and he's actually, in the, you know, Republican. So I realized, as I talked to people, they have no intention of putting Shiva Ayodhuri on the ballot. And I'm a, you know, I like to win, you know? So I could see it. I'm not going to wake up in April and then say, oh, I'm a victim. So we said there's no way that this hierarchy is going to allow us. In fact, uh, Ron Kaufman, who's part of the Republican Party, goes, Shiva, never say anything against Democrats. So as I started looking at this, the Boston Globe, so I was very happy to be on your show. Here, I'm, I'm the first one to announce three of the other candidates, uh, two of them have not announced, the Globe puts three pictures of them and leaves Shiva Ayodhuri out. So I tweet at Jim O'Connell, I say, you know, racist Boston Globe. That's why I am, you know, I'll call people out. That goes viral on the internet, Jim O'Connell calls me at home asking why are you saying this. So here's a Globe which wants to architect the opposition to Warren because they're pro-Democrat newspaper. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I know this game pretty well, what I saw as a kid, right? So, to answer your question, um, when you look at both these political parties, it's a racket. Mm -hmm. um, the amount of money that they raise and how they do these elections, you know, they wait all the way until September and they spend tens of millions on TV advertising. So you're talking 15, 20% go to the media companies and a lot of political consultants earn a lot of those monies and they move from campaign to campaign. Mm -hmm. As an entrepreneur, you know, I view a political campaign as the ultimate startup but most of these career politicians have never had to run a startup. So they bloat their budgets because they don't know how to hire people. They don't know how to implement technology. So it's a lot of bloated budget. Uh, in the last campaign when Warren ran against Brown. Julie ran, um, ran a campaign, gubernatorial campaign. Mm. For who? For well, I worked with um, Joe Avalone on his campaign. Okay. With on policy. And never got, who never got past the 15%. Great Yeah, time. I've heard this story many, many man. times. Yeah. So that was I, a crowded race, though. I think there were eight yes. people. It's a crowded race, but, you know, you can, they have superdelegates, right? So, you know, I, I, I know this racket. So, you know, I could see the writing on the wall. So what we, but the interesting thing is Massachusetts is neither a red state or a blue state. It's actually a state of unenrolled independents, 2.3 million independents, you know, 1.5 million registered Democrats, and less than a half a million registered Republicans. Right. 
So those independents, which again is a recurrent theme, say we have to choose the lesser of two evils. And most people wanting to vote for Elizabeth Warren are pinching their nose and voting for her because it's toxic in the state to be, have an R next to you. Mm-hmm. So I'm the alternate to Warren. And that's why I believe we're going to beat her. And, uh, you know, there's other things which we can talk about also. It seems like we're, running, we're getting into the show and we don't want to not cover the issues. So maybe we should jump yeah. to some yeah. issues. Paul. I do want, okay. I want to, um, on your website, you talk about debuting the Knowledge Engineering Collaboration Server for Open Digital Governance. Um, what the hell is a Knowledge Engineering Collaborative Server? Yeah, I'll, I'll explain what that means. Okay. So in yeah. simple terms, you know, this is supposed to be a government of the people by the people. What we have is a government, particularly in Massachusetts, of the establishment by the establishment. You can say that federally too, I think. And federally. So, if you, so what I mean by that in very simple terms is if you take the three major areas that are, I think, deeply interest to everyone watching the show is government, health, and economy. Those are the three things. Um, all of those three things right now, it's their government, right? You know, you have lobbyists, it's their government. It's their health care system, Romney Care, Obamacare, you know, high cost of big pharma, right, et cetera. It's really um, uh, their economic system, right? Wall Street, the collusion between, as Eisenhower talked about, the military-industrial academic complex. This is not conspiracy. This is a very real thing. Mm-hmm. Senator Fulbright talked about this. So it's all based on their system. If we want a government by the people for the people, you know, our entire uh, platform is built on a simple solution. We need clean government. We need real health, and we need real jobs. So if you take clean government, uh, what does that look like? Well, first of all, if you go back to the essence of this country, which was supposed to be based on meritocracy, and the founders of this country, many of them had jobs. You know, Washington was a surveyor and a farmer. He went to work, and he was very happy to leave the presidency so he could go back to work. Um, Jefferson, you know, you look at Franklin's history, these guys were phenomenal, th- you know, government was a service thing. They never envisioned at all career politicians, right. period. And I think it's absolutely un-American to want to be a career politician. That's not what America was about. So if we want clean government, which is to bring back things to balance, is we need to have term limits. 80% of Americans want term limits. The only, you know, the Supreme Court found it unconstitutional, which is interesting because those guys have no term limits. So they should have actually recused themselves on that question. The second thing is I I definitely think part of clean government, you go to the fundamentals, you need voter IDs. Um, The Democrats do not want voter IDs. They prosper on, you know, illegal immigration because you are able to use those votes and manipulate them. I find it amazing, you know, in the 70s when I remember Carter and these people used to send um, international observers to third world countries because they weren't sure what was going on with the voters. I find it amazing that when I first went to vote in Belmont, I walked in with my passport and my license. I said, do you want them? They go, no, wh- what address do you live in? That was it. So do, there's... Um, but there have been many studies and none have found any real percentage of voter fraud anywhere in the States. It's not even an issue where there's... This is a whole different issue. The issue is why aren't there voter IDs? But, we, we have IDs for everything else in life. You know, from a bank account opening, from getting a student. I, I can tell you why. Yeah. Okay. Um, especially in poor states, many um, they've closed down many 
registries of motor vehicles where people get their, even if they can't drive, they get IDs. To get to a registry of motor vehicles, many poor people can't. Many yeah, elderly I, people can't. My mother, getting an ID for my mother, is, uh, who's 94 years old and still wants to vote, is a royal pain in the ass. I've had to do it before to fly and to get her on an airplane. And it, it takes almost a day to get her an ID. And she's so going to lose it. She will lose it. <laughs> God. Yeah, so what, I think that's, that's a what, different issue. Well, no, it's the real issue. When she goes to vote, if she needs an ID, and there are a lot of people, she lives in assisted living. Mm. She doesn't live in a nursing home. How do people in third world countries do it, Paul? You have people in third world countries who don't have phone, who don't have any access, and, and you go to a country like India, or you go to, you know, people I don't have... Know. Do they do? I, I have no everyone idea. Everyone has an ID. You have your... It's, it's universal ID cards. So and does they the government track their citizens differently than, than we do? Well, no, they yeah. actually realize that's a, it's a thing. Well, they, they figured they out... Have they have better government services to They do it through the local post cards. office, yeah. which uh, post office is everywhere. Um, but I think... The fact that you can go vote without any form of identification really, to me, is, is a big red flag. And the third piece of our thing in clean government is there has to be campaign finance reform. And my view is this, one dollar, one vote. Let me explain how that works. 4.3 million registered voters in Massachusetts, you can only spend $4.3 million on a federal election. If you need to spend the kind of money that Warren's raised $14 million, you know, the last election was a quarter of a billion dollars. You're doing okay. You have 2.1. Yeah, but I've, it's been most of my money that I put in, and okay. we have about 100K in cash. You know, we have about 1,200 small donors. But my point is, if you need to spend that kind of money, that means your message probably is not correct. And the old form of messaging is you buy broad, it's the Edward Bernays model, right? The guy who created advertising. It's assuming people are stupid, that they don't really want to listen to long form, that you have to hit them with sound bites. And I give human beings a lot more intelligence than that. People like to watch movies. People like to be on YouTube now. They want it, like your show, mm -hmm. this, third, this format is what people actually like. The Edward Bernays model of advertising was built to sell cigarettes. And that's what we used to manipulate people. And that all happens during September and November. People take tons of ad money. So I think the clean government piece, those are our three things. You know, voter ID, term limits, and clear campaign finance. On real health, uh, it's, it's again very simple. Let's, where does real health come from? Real food. You know, the f real food is real medicine. We need to, l so in the area of prevention, let's start with prevention. In the midst of all these discussions about Obamacare slash Romney care, I didn't hear one discussion about the food supply in this country, which is being devastated by companies like Monsanto. That have, you know, the amount of herbicide that we put in, clear. The data has come about that herbicides like Roundup cause fatty liver disease, ultra-low levels. Elizabeth Warren supported the Monsanto Protection Act, and no one talks about that. But it's not only that, it's also availability of good, fresh food Let's, in inner-city neighborhoods exactly. where it isn't available, where we have high obesity And why is rates. it? Why isn't it available? I, I, I did, um, before we yeah. uh, tag Elizabeth. What else was attached to that Monsanto <coughs> Act? Were the funds attached? Well, the Monsanto Protection Act that... Was, it didn't stand alone, is it? No, no, it was no. part of the Appropriations Bill. Okay, part and, of the and, Appropriations and, yeah, Bill. Yeah, and... and uh, but I mean, if I cut off... Well, you know what? If you're going to be so principled as Elizabeth Warren claims she is, I'm fighting for anyone, I'm fighting yeah. against evil corporations, but well, she should have taken a stand. The, that's part well, of the Well, yeah. it's part of the fake Indian piece. It's a fake fighter. 
Okay, well, I can talk more about okay. that. But it is well, this illusion yeah, that you're fighting. Yeah, we're not going to get to talk about yeah. the issues okay. if we but, talk too much but, about But I'm that saying, kind of uh, so on the health issue, it, we need prevention, which is we need to protect the food supply. The second thing is, in the healthcare issue, we need to lower the cost of hospitalization. Most of, you know, a burger costs 50 cents to make. These guys are selling it for $5,000. That's have, what's really going on. Right, and we have families that are paying upwards of fifteen and twenty thousand dollars a year for health insurance premiums. It's insane. And um, your co-pays and deductibles. Right. It's like a part-time job and that really kills family budgets. Right. So the big, so what the Romney-Care-Obamacare model has done, it has incented big insurance, big hospitals, big pharma. Insurance companies want high premiums because they want you to be scared that something is devastating going to happen so they have to keep these costs high. So how do you solve that? We need to bring down the cost of medicines. That's innovation. The company I'm doing Cytosol, you know, we say big pharma is a disease where the cure. We actually have a way that we can uh, discover drugs on the computer at a fraction of the cost. You see, the entire pharmaceutical model is built on like <coughs> medieval technology. I understand so, that, and I, I've read, I've watched your talk on it, but um, I, you say it has, but it hasn't been proven to be 100% effective yet. So until it's 100% effective, we can't. Well, no, first of all, it, no, the, the, the bottom line is forget even the innovation piece, the cost of medicine. There's group purchasing organizations okay. which get kickbacks, $300 billion in waste. In America, a, a, we spend more than double what we do. A 20 cents generic drug is the <laughs> example selling for $32,000. Know? It's absolutely, there's a, it's, it's a major middleman game. The supply chain is controlled by a bunch of people. And the third piece of this entire piece is we need to go back to it, the direct pay model. You know, we should be doing health care, uh, lowering the cost, how we take care of our car. You have crisis care insurance and you pay 15, 20 bucks. So, but the bottom, I mean, the health care model is quite easy to fix, actually. It's very... There are many health care models around the world that work. Uh, Americans spend, I want to say, $8,500 a year from the moment you're born to the moment you kick the bucket on health care per person, 8,500 bucks. You didn't, you're not working from the time you're um, mm -hmm. zero to 16 or 15, and from the time you're 70 on, I, I kicked out earlier, but um, so that's a lot of money. <coughs> a lot of people aren't earning that much money or barely earning that yep. much money. And Europe, Europe's got some good answers, but we're afraid to look at Europe and Canada. I lived in Canada, it works well. Yeah. Well, we need to lower the cost. And the it way you lower, lower costs is not through regulation, it's through innovation. Um, if you look at the medical doctor... That's right, a sound bite. I'm sorry. It, it's more than a sound bite. It's a fact. So, for example, if you look... And if, it works through if, both. If you look at my sister, right? Yeah. Four years undergraduate, another four years medical school, and two to four years specialty. You get a half a million dollars in, in loans. Now, if you... And then when all these impositions of regulations were put on these people, right? You can, we've lost 200,000 family practitioners mm -hmm. over the last 20 years because people go join big hospitals. It's, it's uneconomical to be a family practitioner, but that's where health occurs. The doctor looks at you, he, t he or she talks to you. I agree with you there. So we've thousand. destroyed the entire health. We've made it a, we've corporatized medicine. Thanks to Obamacare and Romney Care, no one discusses this. We need to go it's back to it. thanks to... But if, but if we focus more... Obamacare and Romney Care was... Were, they're insurance care. There were, there were solutions 
without putting the insurance, because they didn't have the legal power, the constitutional, the constituency to blow we're up run, the insurance We're running out of time, yeah. and we haven't okay. even the, gotten yeah. to education yeah, yet. The third health piece is, is way too complicated. Yeah. Yeah, no, but I think the health care piece, just to sort of summarize it, prevention, real food, real medicine. That will save a lot of money. Yeah, you, you got to go after companies like Monsanto. The second piece is we have to go to direct pay, and we have to lower the costs. And I know how to do that. Okay. When we go to economy and jobs, you know, in Massachusetts, for every 17 skilled job openings, only one person is skilled. We have a lot of jobs. The reason Amazon is hesitant to come here is they can't find enough software engineers. So the educational industrial complex of organizations like Harvard are producing kids who have no skills. I mean, yesterday we saw Joe Kennedy on there, right? Why is this guy qualified to get up after the State of the Union? Why is he given that titular capability? Because Harvard carries a stamp. A few universities are ed graduating students, massive predatory student loans. People have a lot of loans, and the average student has no skills coming out. Right, so but we don't know that that was the Democrats' thought process when they decided on well, Kennedy. We I'm, don't know what We have a royalty still in this was. country because... Joe's been a uh, guest here, and I say he's very qualified to say it. Yeah, I, I, you know what, mean. but... You know, it, it, the issue is, I, I, look, I know I Bobby Kennedy, there. Okay. Very, really nice people, right? You know what? But give other people a chance. We, li we don't live in an aristocracy, I thought. But getting back to jobs, we need to skill labor here. We need to unleash Votex schools, number one. And How we need to pay for it. But we do have some I excellent have an idea. Votex Tax schools here. Bis Bristol but Plymouth is an but we excellent don't, vocational They do, but we don't have enough. Look, uh, You're one right, of my, we don't have enough. One of my uh, guy who's a volunteer, was our communication director, Ron Megna, is a nurse, he's a teacher, and he's a, Jesus, um, uh, I forget his other thing, electrician. Okay, belongs to all three unions. We don't have enough Votech schools. We need to make it that after you go to Votech school, you can get an associate's degree very, very easily. Those we things... Need, we need to make sure we support technical high schools like Madison Park, which is in uh, Roxbury, I believe, mm -hmm. who has not got a great record. They don't have a lot of support. And there are kids in that neighborhood that would, would be desperate for the opportunity to get a skill to get themselves exactly. out of where they're at. So I'd like to make sure that we, we focus on all of our technical high schools. Exactly. I I'm saying across the state, the way you really stop racism and segregation is you skill people. Ultimately, it's economics. People need jobs, and these are not low-paying jobs. We're looking at six-figure jobs that people can make. We don't have enough electrician, med techs, et cetera. And the way you fund this is, you know, let's start taxing Harvard, okay? Let's start taxing these endowments. These universities, these major universities are actually hedge funds, which have a front end of a university. Harvard is a $40 billion hedge fund. They paid their hedge fund managers $58 million. That's criminal. So is MIT, though. It's Tax them, too. Yeah. And, and I, I got the email from the president of MIT crying about this. Well, you know what? You, you d the cost of education is bloated because we let banks give predatory student loans. And the That's student loans yeah, are predatory because, look, if I give you a loan as a bank and you're, you both are businesses, I, I ask you for your projections, what business you're doing, and then I make a decision. Students are coming and they're taking courses in, I don't know, anthropology of aardvarks or something, right? And yet they fund those loans knowing that kid's going to fail in that we profession. We still need well-rounded, we, we still need a variety of educational sure. attainment for people. We still need anthropologists. We still need artists. But, but the cost but, of education is way too high. You're because, right. Because it's way too high. You know, these big universities, they're getting federal grants. They're the welfare states. The big universities, the professors don't teach classes. They have graduate students teaching the classes. 
they get paid not only a salary, then they're also getting the educational portion. So they are paying themselves too much, and they're fundamentally uh, using the endowment as a way to enrich themselves. I say put real ca uh, go after predatory student loans, and that way, right now, universities are given a captive audience. It's going to create a much better market economy. We're really running out of time, but yeah. I, I also want to throw out there part of our economic problem is we have extremely high cost of housing, which really needs yeah. to be addressed because you wanted everyone to have a six-figure income, but that's probably not likely, even though it would help with uh, paying for housing and everything else And here. we know you do have an answer for that, so we're going to have to get you to drive your ass down here again. I'll do that again. <laughs> and because we're not going to have time now. Simply no. put, by the way, our open governance model yeah. is you're going to see us actually living and breathing like how, how we should, lawmakers should run for the people, by the people on our website shortly. You'll see us actually presenting people the opportunity to help create bills in real time. Okay? That's excellent. Government by okay. the people, I for the people. I think people should be okay. involved in exactly. that process. Yep. And my name thank is you. Paula Tendra, and I want to thank Dr. Shiva. Thank you to Kim Murphy, Ben Fortier, and Walter Sabina at TCAM TV in Taunton for the use of their studios and their valuable help without which this show would not exist.